Martin Pagula is the racing minister and he is a racing lover, a massive racing fan as well. And he joins me this morning. Good morning, Martin. How are you? Good morning, Mick. Uh, what was your reaction when you first heard about this? Pro- probably the same as as, uh, as yours, which was, uh, you know, just gobsmacked. I just, you just sort of go, there's a point where you just shake your head and go, I just, you just can't believe it. Um, so I was, I was incredibly disappointed. Um, I was... Uh, um, uh, you know, it, it, it just didn't occur to me that anyone, particularly people with profile in the industry, would do that. Um, uh, but but I think the industry's reacted really strongly and really swiftly, and that's what cauterises this from having an, an, an impact on the wider industry because the industry's demonstrated its own unhappiness, its own disappointment with the activity, uh, and I think that's it's, that's a really positive thing. Martin, I was actually just looking at something today about one of the uh, the American anti-COVID uh, protesters who was subsequently died of the disease to reinforce just how deadly this Delta virus is. Does, does their activity show that, that, that some people in and out of the racing community and the wider community still just don't get it, don't get why we're on this difficult journey? No, no, no question. Um, and there's been lots of those stories of people who've been, you know... Uh, COVID deniers, anti-vaxxers, um, getting sick and having, you know, almost a deathbed conversion to, to believing. Um, you know, this this virus is... This particular variant spreads incredibly quickly. You know, people talk about restrictions, and it's easy to forget that New South Wales is at a 1,000 cases a day with restrictions in place. Imagine if there weren't restrictions, what that number would be. So um, it is... It's it's very very um, infectious. This strain, um, the the, the hospitalisation rates are starting to increase pretty dramatically, and just got to have to keep an absolute lid on it until our vaccination rates are high enough um, to allow us to live more freely with the virus. You know, we've got something like thirty two percent of people above sixteen years of age now have got two doses. Um, that's not enough to stop widespread community transmission. It's just not. Martin, it's it's Dan here. When um, when this news filtered through to you, which would have been, I imagine, Thursday afternoon, evening, um, and then you would indeed, on behalf of the racing industry, have to face um, your uh, other uh, members in the party, Premier, yep. etc. Was there any uh, thought, was there any mention of uh, the, the racing industry in the spring carnival being jeopardised? Uh, was there any push from anybody to suggest there was a hic- beyond a hiccup, you know, t- towards the actual racing itself? No, no, look, there, there wasn't, Dan. I think people are a bit more... Pe- people are a bit more sophisticated than that. I think there is a... There is a capacity for people to differentiate between the actions of individuals and the actions of an industry. Um and, you know, and and I, and I think it was it was really positive that the industry reacted so swiftly and so strongly. When you think about the actions, there you know there are three different elements to to to, to, to why it's a, such a massive problem. First of all, um, their actions, like anyone who is visiting people in homes or breaking rules, can spread the virus. Um, they've obviously got the, the the personal impact on themselves now, having been rubbed out for the spring. But but third and potentially most concerningly, had, had there been transmission, 
and they've brought it into a race club environment, they could have that that could have impacted the entire industry for for a week or longer. Um, you know, it's just you know we should just be thankful and grateful that we didn't end up having a situation where someone caught COVID and then uh, brought it into a racetrack and infected others. Um, it could have just been uh, it could have been a complete catastrophe to the industry. Uh, for the spring, and uh, that's why these rules are in place. But no, there was never any sense, I never had any sense that anyone was going to take a a, a more broadly negative view of racing. The actions of four wouldn't have been reasonable. It'd be like... You know, it'd be like taking taking uh, vengeance on on the Australian Open because Novak Djokovic partied at a you know at a COVID positive event. You know, there's the actions of individuals and there's the actions of a code, and the codes acted uh, very swiftly and very appropriately. We've seen other sports like the AFL have major penalties. Sydney Stack got kicked out of Richmond's hub last year and sent home during the football yep. season for breaking COVID rules. Were you satisfied with the penalty? Would you have been uncomfortable if someone like Jamie Carr was able to compete in our biggest races? Yeah, look, look, look. I, I tend, I tend for, for pretty obvious reasons. I tend not to get into commentary about what what penalty stewards hand down. Um, but, but I think on this occasion, it, it's it's fair to say that. You know, um, a, a penalty that takes uh, that takes the suspensions out past the end of the spring carnival, I, I think is is one that is uh, that the community thinks is reasonable and acceptable. Uh, and it, it, put it this way, I wasn't unhappy to see it, Martin. I think a, a little bit of a, a little turning point in all of this too, as far as public resolution was the. Uh, the engagement party in uh, in South Caulfield, and then, and that that steeled everyone to to stay the course, and that anyone who didn't hadn't learned a lesson off that. Just in the case of Jamie Carr, as the poster poster girl of horse racing almost around the world, and certainly the the, the most uh, the greatest racing story going to the Spring Carnival. How much do you feel this may have damaged her and her racing via her her actions? Oh look. You know, look. I, I think anything that takes, um, you know, a draw card away from from the carnival um, and that shines a negative light on the industry is something that would be best avoided. And we, as an industry, do seem to have a habit, Matt, of uh, about once a year we do something, you know, in, 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 incredibly damaging to ourselves as an industry. And it's, you know, I think it's, it's usually amazing. at about this, usually at about this usually, time, Martin. Usually at about this time of year. And for all of us who love who love the sport and who love the industry, we're all as frustrated as each other. Um, so, you know, the carnival without Jamie Carr is is a lesser carnival. It's one it's one less great story. But but to be frank, I, I think the major damage is uh, is personal. Uh, racing has an incredible ability to to endure and to go on. And you know what it means? It means. Perhaps another young jockey will get an opportunity that he or she might not otherwise have got, um, and that's you know one of the great things about about this sport. There are, there there are lots of great young participants and competitors, and someone else is going to get some really great rides this year. So we can focus on who's not there. I'd rather focus on who is there and what what is the next great story and the next great you know emergence um, that we might see as a result of there being one less high-profile jock, or two. 
Well, the opportunities for others presented this spring carnival will be exactly that, Martin. And look, everyone is angry, frustrated, disappointed now. The penalty's been handed out. They'll serve their time. And then hopefully yeah. it will be the fact that they work through it both personally and professionally and come back because we don't want to lose someone like Jamie Carr to the industry. Uh, and as, as oh, I you agree said, with that. Yeah, I yeah. agree with that. And we do worry about the, the young apprentices, the younger jockeys who have come through. Ben Mellum is probably even more disappointing because he's coming back after that six-month suspension for, for betting. You think, what is going through your head? But, look, let's change tact and talk about the Spring Carnival overall, Martin. And you don't have a crystal ball. None of us do. But with no. the, the numbers that are coming through every day and the amount of numbers that are not in quarantine, is it looking less likely that we are going to get any crowds or owners to the track, do you think, to the carnival? Oh, well, look, I mean, every, every day where there's substantial community transmission makes it harder. There's no doubt about that. But it's also it's also true to say that it's now, you know, it's late August. Um, and I know, look, we've got our first group one today, but, you know, the spring whips really start cracking uh, quite a few weeks from now. So I'm still, I'm still pretty hopeful that we can get numbers down sufficiently and, importantly, get the vaccination numbers up mm. sufficiently so that we can have crowds in the spring. Um, you know, uh, right now you'd say October looks easier than September. November looks easier than October. Um, and, and I'm meeting with the, the CEOs of the clubs, I think, on Friday to start talking through what what all of that looks like. Um and look, it might mean it might mean, for example, that, um, and, and I suspect it will mean that if we've got crowds, they're not going to be what what you'd see in 2019. I, I, I doubt it's going to be tens of thousands of people jammed together, eating, drinking, dancing, and you know, partying in the way that uh, that, that we would have in a pre-COVID environment, and hopefully that we will again in a post-vaccine environment. Um, but but I'm still really really hopeful that we'll have reasonable crowds, reasonable atmosphere, um, probably in, in, in a more ordered um, way than, you know, than we might have had in the past. But I'll, I'll sit down with the CEOs on Friday and talk through that with them. What are we looking like in regards to hitting 70% vaccination? What's the projections telling us timeline-wise? And, and will that allow more people to open up and maybe get to the track? Hard to say because it's completely dependent on supply. So at the moment, we're at about... You know, I think we're at 32, 33% of two two dose vax, um, and we tend to be, and we seem to be growing at about four to five percent per week. Um, however, uh, if the if the Commonwealth projections about um, uh, you know a whole you know boatload of Pfizer being on their way are correct, we could see those numbers start to escalate pretty quickly. I mean, we put bookings in the in the system for about eight hundred thousand. Uh, shots uh, over the last couple of days, and they basically all went within 48 hours. So there's a powerful urge out there for people to get vaccinated. We just need the supply, and I'm hopeful that that that, that, that the rate can start to really motor throughout September um, if we've got that supply. So, you know, it might be, you know, by the time we hit 70, I think we're probably looking at late October. Um, early November, but if we've got our transmission rate substantially down, that combination of of relatively high vaccinations and low community transmission uh, might be enough for us to get you know some sort of decent atmosphere at the track.
So with those current numbers, would you say it's unlikely any of the lockdown changes will occur next week? I don't think I'm going to give you that scoop. <laughs> we'll meet. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll meet over the next. We'll meet over the next couple of days. We, we get updates from the public health team every single day. Um, I feel like we've been doing that every single day for about 18 months now. But but every, every day we'll, we'll get a, an update from the public health team about um, uh, the, the epidemiology, about how many um, mystery cases, linked cases, in isolation, out in the community. So it's not just the numbers, as the Premier says, it's the story behind the numbers. Um, right now we've got uh, probably more... More, more unlinked and more out, out out of isolation than we'd like, but we'll see how that trends over the next few days. Marty, just last one last one. Uh, the ambivalence or the anti-sentiment in uh, the, with even within the racing bubble to vaccination has really surprised me in recent times. And the, the irony of the Jamie Carr and Ben Mellon situation is the awareness and motivation campaign to get vaccinated from the racing industry was probably going to use that, jockeys like them to try and send the message of, uh, of awareness about the need for vaccination. And are you a bit surprised, and I have been within the racing community, about the lack of interest in becoming vaccinated? Yeah, I've got to say, I wasn't, I wasn't aware of that. Um, that is disappointing. And I've got to say, um, like, I think it's pretty misguided. You know, what, once we get to the point, uh, my, my suspicion, you know, is that once we get to the point where you've got an electronic, a scannable electronic vaccination passport in Europe, where you basically have to, you know, scan in with, through your QR code system, I think there'll be a whole lot of things that vaccinated people will be able to do that unvaccinated people won't be able to do. Um, and I think that's, you know, um, I, I, I personally think that's a good thing. I think it's an inevitable way that we're, that we're going to go in terms of trying to keep this virus under control. So um, I don't know whether people are not getting vaccinated in the industry because they just haven't got round to it or because they're, um, or because there's some deeper reluctance. But the truth is... Um, this this virus is starting to um, dramatically affect the health of younger and younger people. I mean, we've seen a number of cases now in Sydney of people in their 30s dying. Um, I, I think if you don't get vaccinated unless you've got um, a, a, a medical reason, um, you, you leave yourself at risk of serious illness and I think you leave yourself at risk of having a whole lot of restrictions imposed upon you in the future that won't apply to people who are vaccinated. So I think the message is get vaccinated, not just for yourself, uh, but for your community, for your family, and so we can get the hell out of this situation. Martin, you might not have given me a scoop this morning, but I'm about to get a tip off you in the Memsy. Before that, <laughs> though, a couple, of SM, a couple of SMSs saying thank you to the government and your mediator for sorting out the Greyhound situation. Um, it was a welcome relief to see that announcement by both Greyhound Racing Victoria during the week and the industry participants. Yeah, and look, I, I want to pay particular credit to um, Tim Lyons, the mediator. I, I asked him to step in a few weeks ago, Gotber and GRV were clearly at odds um, and, it, and it wasn't getting better. Um, Tim, Tim did a power of work working with people like uh, Robbie Britton and Greg Doyle uh, from, from, uh, from Gotber and also Peter Duncan and Alan Clayton from GRV. Uh, and the fact that they've, uh, they've come to a, a, you know, a, a, a proper resolution is very pleasing and gives the industry a great chance to move forward uh, in a united way. 
All right, Marty. I know you. I know you're tipping stay inside uh, at Kembla today. But who do you like at Caulfield? Oh, look. Well, I mean, in the mem- in the mem- I can see that. Uh, I've had a bit of a look this morning. The boom seems to all be on Tafane, but I've uh, I've still got a soft spot for the big uh, the big crow eater. So I think I'll stay on Behemoth. Um, and uh, it's, it is pretty hard to see Mars Crusader getting beaten. I think as well. So. I haven't. Uh, I haven't. I'm not on yet, but uh, I will be. Uh, I will. I will be shortly. Um, I think it does look a little bit like a favourites day. I've got to say, mm. like I can't. I can't see Probabil getting beaten. Um, I think, uh, as I said, I think uh, uh, Behemoth will probably get up over Tafane, and I like our win. What was that last one? You just broke up. Out. Our wind spirit. Okay. Uh, Lindsay Smith gave it a good push this morning as well. Uh, Martin, right. appreciate your time, as always, on this Saturday. Good punting today. Yeah, good punting. Thanks, guys. Martin Bakula, the racing minister there.